It's important to build software that goes beyond the couple of years, which means software needs to be sustainable, which means it needs to be well validated, well verified, well evaluated across more than just a few systems. So building that grand table of X applications, Y compiler implementations, Z platforms, and just looking at the table, right, gives us a ton of info as to um, what else should we address or where is the gap or what are the challenges. So I guess that is what I would like to get to because a few years from now, I would want Solve to still be part of this you know, ECP legacy and the huge software stack that I guess we are all thinking about right now. Hi, in this podcast, we explore the efforts of the Department of Energy's Exascale Computing Project, ECP, from the development challenges and achievements to the ultimate expected impact of Exascale Computing on society. For this episode, which is number 85, we have the pleasure of interviewing Sunita Chandrasekharan, the new principal investigator of the ECP Solve project. She replaces Barbara Chapman in the role whom ECP Software Technology Director Mike Carew said has been an invaluable contributor to ECP. As for the SOLVE project, it is advancing the OpenMP specification and its implementations to address exascale application challenges. Sunita will tell us more about that, our topics, an overview of Sunita's background and what she hopes to bring to her PI role, an understanding of the SOLVE project, SOLVE's enduring legacy, and more. Exascale computing is the next leap forward in computing. It will provide the capability to tackle challenges in scientific discovery and national security at levels of complexity and performance that previously were out of reach. The U.S. Department of Energy's Exascale Computing Project, ECP, is delivering a capable and sustainable exascale computing ecosystem to open new pathways of discovery and provide breakthrough solutions. I'm your host, Scott Gibson, and this is Let's Talk Exascale. Hi, Sunita. Please give us a broad picture of your background and your work. Um, right. So I'm currently an associate professor with the Department of Computer and Information Sciences at the University of Delaware. And the area of interest or the research activities here with my group has been on high-performance computing, machine learning, data science, and interdisciplinary science, where we work with several domain scientists, aka non-computer scientists, to understand their algorithms and work with them to advance their science and be able to port their programs on large-scale you know, computers, just like the upcoming uh, frontier, if you like. I also teach uh, computer architecture and parallel programming. In fact, I'm teaching parallel programming this semester. And um, I also teach a vertically integrated project at UD where several undergraduate students and I, we just sit together and we hack. And uh, that's uh, you know, a very nice hands-on uh, lecture, basically, hands-on uh, course, I would say. So all these, I, I thought, was forming a very nice background for ECP Solve, especially because some of my students and I have been already working on a sub-project with Solve um, over the past three, three and a half years um, as of now. And this sub-project was on, or is, has been on validation and verification of um, several OpenMP compiler implementations. So I should say that we are not super foreign to solve because we've been part of a sub-project. Having said that, that made a nice, how do I put it? It, it, it helped understand you know, what is going on within Solve. And now with the Solve PI hat on, 
I guess I'm trying to learn the different challenges, the different pieces, yet leveraging um, the you know parallel programming and architecture and high performance computing background that um, you know I've been uh, gathering over the past uh, several years. So I guess there's it's a nice blend, and uh, I'm also able to take pieces of Solve project and its activities and the challenges back to my class while I teach. And I'm already telling them about Frontier. I'm already telling them about top 500 supercomputer to look up, you know, things change, things may change in November um, at the SC21 conference when the top 500 list gets updated. Um, right, so I guess that is definitely a strong connection between uh, what I'm doing at UD and, uh, you know, the Solve PI um, activities and goals um, of the project. Is there anything you want to add about your work at Brookhaven National Laboratory and the Computational Science Initiative? So with Brookhaven Lab, I took up this uh, position of computational uh, scientist with the Computational Science Initiative directed by Kirsten Vanden there. Um, I believe Brookhaven has already been involved with SOLVE over the past couple of years with um, Barbara Chapman, who was um, leading the SOLVE project. So I believe there are several initiatives within BNL, both on high-performance computing as well as machine learning and several of their you know, domain science application physics-based projects. So I hope to um, you know, uh, bring forward some of the experiences that I have with machine learning projects here at UD, um, where we work with Nemours DuPont Hospital for Children, and you know, apply those machine learning techniques to physics-based problems um, in Brookhaven Lab. So um, it looks like there's a ton of opportunities where you know, um, both HPC and machine learning could be definitely leveraged for computational science initiatives within BNL. Sunita, what is the ECP Solve project all about? So ECP Solve, as the name stands for Scaling OpenMP, which is a directive, one of the two directive-based programming models with LLVM, which is a cohort, a set of, you know, tools, software, functionalities, libraries for exascale performance and portability. The long and the short of it is Solve is tasked with several different pieces. And uh, some of them include uh, working with the OpenMP standard organization, where they ratify features for different types of functionalities when you're trying to use two uh, different types of devices, for example, CPUs and GPUs, um, which is exactly what the Frontier system is also going to be, and many systems are. And broadly, we could call it heterogeneous systems. And, you know, how do you define what amount of work and data should be offloaded from one system to another? So to do these and, you know, getting down to the uh, bottom of it, there are several features um, that, that usually the OpenMP organization uh, work on but there also needs to be implementation of these features, right? And there are many vendors that are working on the OpenMP implementation and Solve is uh, predominantly you know, closely tied with LLVM, where our goal here is to be able to work on compiler, runtime, you know, of different aspects of OpenMP features and it's offloading features to uh, graphic cards, GPUs. With respect to Frontier, it would be AMD, with respect to Perlmutter in uh, Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, it would be um, NVIDIA GPUs. So there's already a variety, right? Because both GPUs on a, on a grand scheme of things uh, help uh, get, you know, achieve the best performance for the large scientific codes. But fundamentally, 
the way you would program them um, can be slightly different. And that's where the compiler implementations and everything come in place. So compiler work, um, runtime work, offloading to GPUs is one piece of um, solve, one giant piece of solve, I should say. And then comes validation, verification, test suite, where we also write test codes to test or validate and verify the implementation from vendors. And these could be NVIDIA, AMD, could be IBM, LLVM, um, and um, Fujitsu, for example, could be anybody, right? So anyone who are building implementations of OpenMP, how do we ensure that the implementation is conforming to the OpenMP standard specification and have the has the implementation been um, you know really implemented correctly? So how do you value, validate and verify? So that's the other piece of the solve project. And here is where my students from UD have been involved with Oak Ridge National Lab over the past three four years, and we divide and conquer the set of features to build test cases for, and we test these or evaluate these test cases on systems, you know, pre-exascale systems at Spock at Oak Ridge National Lab, um, also Cori and uh, several other systems that we can, you know, possibly get access to. And we're also trying to get access to pre-Aurora early access systems, um, basically to find out, you know, how are the implementations uh, behaving, you know, across a varied set of uh, systems. The other piece of the project involves coordinating with the application developers, and this is equally important because I guess fundamentally you are creating implementation and validating them for what, right? For whom, rather? And this is for the users, basically, who is using the OpenMP implementation. Um, so we need to understand what are the features the application developers want, and do the compilers have implementation for those features? Are these implementations validated and verified? Can there be performance benchmarking of these features that are of you know, supreme importance to application developers? So it's a full nine yard, right? Somebody taking up an application and somebody wanting to use OpenMP and uh, the, the group trying to understand uh, how much of performance can be achieved through this OpenMP code on the next big system. So there is coordination to be done between OpenMP specification, OpenMP implementation, and OpenMP users who are the application developers. So there's a lot of coordination required, um, which is also part of our uh, piece where we coordinate between different projects and try to understand the needs um, and you know try to connect the dots. And all these also leads to performance benchmarking where you know different implementations could perform differently from different vendors. So how do we draw a line there? You know, how do we compare and contrast between the different implementations and um, how is performance achieved across these implementations? It's a maze, but I think it's important to define the path in this maze. So, you know, the different pieces um, of this whole puzzle is well connected. So I guess Saul tries to connect these different pieces of the TCP project by working with different um, different teams doing different things. Given your particular credentials in HPC, what do you hope to bring to the PI role? I guess what what I have enjoyed working on with HPC for a long time, I was working on the programming model side of things, and then that nicely 
translated to or that nicely morphed into, okay, let us find out who wants to use the programming models, which means who are the application scientists that would care to use programming models and features and stuff. So I believe with um, learning about how to talk to domain scientists, right, because domain scientists and computer scientists, we talk two different languages. <laughs> Which can, um, which can be very funny in the very beginning because we're trying to understand each other um, and trying to find out where the gap is and then trying to bridge the gap. So I believe with the past or the ongoing experiences of working with several scientists, domain scientists, including biophysics, physicists, nuclear physicists, solar physicists, and these are my other um, you know, collaborators and funded projects in UD with my PhD students, I think what I'm trying to, uh, what I would love to accomplish through the solve and my team is understand from the application developers their needs while they are ready to target the you know next massively parallel supercomputer frontier, for example, and the one that's coming after, right? And not just Oak Ridge National Lab, but maybe once in uh, Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, the one in Oregon um, National Lab and so on. So there is a gap between what the application developers want to achieve and what the machine can offer. So application characteristics and machine characteristics. So how to marry this, um, you know, this gap? How would you address the challenges? So I believe that is what I'm trying to bring with my PI hat on is um, find out what are the software challenges with respect to OpenMP implementations, validation verification challenges, performance benchmarking challenges, and find out what are the needs from the application developers and try to bridge that gap enough to have built this application ready when you know the system is ready, which is actually pretty soon. And I believe my team is um, also, you know, they, they have these expertise ranging from developers, some are developers, some are, you know, test writers, some are performance benchmarkers, some are trainers, for hackathons, um, so it's it's a wonderful team to work with because different different people in the team bring different expertise to the table. Especially in the context of ECP building an ecosystem for Exascale, what would you like to see the enduring legacy of ECP Solve be? Mm -hmm. Correct. So, I would love to see Solve go beyond um, you know the immediate requirements of the project um, because when we build software, the software needs to be sustainable in the sense you don't want to invest uh, so many personnel's time and effort and money, of course, and build software that is that can be used only on a short-term notice, right? On a short-term basis, rather. So we want to build software that can go beyond Frontier, that can go beyond Perlmutter, for example, um, and be sustainable which means it's even important, even more important, increasingly important to understand the underlying hardware architectures and you know the solve with the, the, the one of the goals of solve or the way the, the way the project is also structured in a way that we are dealing with abstractions, right? We are dealing with abstractions and programming models in the sense how from an application developer standpoint should the software or the programming model, um, look like enough for the scientists to still be able to look at the code and know that this is still their code base. <laughs> I 
because the closer you get to the machine, um, the you know the complicated the code becomes because now you're touching the wires and logic gates and whatnot. So yeah, so coming back to the um, the main question that you're asking, I guess it's important to build software that goes beyond the couple of years, which means software needs to be sustainable, which means they need to be well validated, well verified, well evaluated across more than just a few systems. So building that grand table of X applications, Y compiler implementations, Z platforms, and just looking at the table, right, gives us a ton of info as to um, what else should we address or where is the gap or what are the challenges. So I guess that is what I would like to get to because a few years from now, I would want Solve to still be part of this, you know, ECP legacy and the huge software stack that I guess we are all thinking about right now. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I would like to emphasize the importance of interdisciplinary science. I understood the meaning of it and, you know, I appreciate it rather. I appreciated the, the need for different scientific disciplines to come together only after I started to work with several domain science collaborators. It takes time. We are, we are expressing the code in two different ways. The scientists, the domain scientists tend to express the science algorithmically for the science they are solving and computer scientists tend to express algorithms for the machine they are targeting, right? So there are two different problems. And I think it is really important, uh, even with my solve hat on and my, uh, you know, uh, teaching hat on or my uh, advisor hat on back in, with my PhD students, we keep talking about how do you ask the right questions? to the interdisciplinary scientists in order to understand their problem. Because this is, I believe, more than just programming, right? This is scientific advancement. Programming enables scientific advancement. So I guess that's a, um, it's an art to understand the science and be able to advance it using software tools and techniques. So um, I'm glad high performance computing is able to open doors to observe, you know, how huge applications, be it weather, be it COVID, you know, be it next generation sequence alignment, be it solar physics, how HPC is, you know, enabling all this in uh, to, to, and moving code to bigger and bigger systems, which weren't possible even 10 years ago. And I think this needs to be kept on. So that would be my two cents to the next generation workforce. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And we hope you'll join us for the next episode of Let's Talk Exascale.